for this. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Hi, bros, and welcome to That's Deep, Bro, Serious Questions with Silly People. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. Yeah. I'm so glad you joined us. Um, I hope you had a great week. I, I did myself. I uh, Let's see, what do we do? I, I, we're going to get new offices pretty soon for our podcasting, which is really excited. My, excited, exciting. My husband and I do the show out of our home, and uh, that's getting a little cray-cray. You know, you got to separate church and state. You got to have a space to go to. I think it's going to help us and our, our mental well-being. <laughs> um, what else is going on? Well, oh yeah, I'm in Denver this week, June 18th through 21st at the Denver Improv. Come see me tell jokes. Uh, and I talk about my family. I talk about some deep stuff too. I like to talk about what's going on in my life and try to make it funny. And I do fart jokes. I love poopy and fart jokes. <laughs> and I hope you do too. And um, yeah, so I really appreciate all your emails I've been getting. I've been reading them. Some of them I, I cry at because I'm like, Phew. so this is really a special, uh, this has turned into a really special podcast for me. Um, I really didn't, I really had no idea how special it would be to kind of put my stuff out in the world, talk about things that I've been ashamed of for many years and I've had weird feelings about for many years and um, and have it met with some um, some really cool feedback. You guys are sharing your stories as I'm sharing mine. And I think that's really special and really cool. So today my guest is Andy Haynes. He's been on the, the show before. We discussed the 12 steps, but I've brought him back because I received a very special email that I will read in a moment here, and I think this topic would probably be best done with Andy because he's very forthcoming and, um, and yes, has a certain sensitivity to the topic at hand. Uh, but before that, listen, hey, do you shop on Amazon? I hope you do because it is a game changer. It is a lifesaver. My neighbors always comment, oh, look at you. Look at you with all your boxes on your on your porch, you guys must be wealthy millionaires to afford to shop all the time. That's what my cunt neighbor said. And you know what? No, we're not millionaires. But I do subscribe and save on Amazon. I do Prime to get shipping, next day shipping for 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 a flat rate, a yearly thing you pay, and then you get shipping the next day. It's the best thing ever. But I implore you, use my banner. That's deeprowpodcast.com. Go to that site. When you do your Amazon shopping and you just click on my little banner there and it takes you to Amazon, you do your shopping as you normally would. I recommend you bookmark um, my little portal. So click on the, the banner and then just bookmark that so you don't have to think about it every single time you do it. <sighs> how, am I, how am I winded from doing that? Why, why am I out of breath? <laughs> okay. All right. So here we go, guys. Let's get into it.
Don't ever put it. Don't do that down. again. That was terrible. So hi guys, with me is the fabulous Andy Haynes. You heard him on the twelve step episode, and later today he's going to be seeing Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? So excited. <laughs> I have Jurassic size excitement. <laughs> it looks it looks phenomenal. It, yeah. It really looks like it they spend so much money on these movies, they they just cannot suck. I mean they can, but they, they had to give Chris Pratt a new body. Is that right? He didn't work out. They just put his head on a different body. No. Yeah, new science. <laughs> <laughs> they should do that for me on TV. That would be fantastic. Oh, I would love that. Was that me? Or, okay, that, that was, was my butt. So let's get into it. I got this email from, and I'll just make it anonymous because who the hell wants to be, you know, outed on the show. Um, this email, I'm going to read it to you too, Annie. You know, uh, it broke my heart. It was so sad, and I thought I'd bring you back in here so we could kind of help this kid out. It says, uh, hold on. I'm a 23-year-old recovering heroin addict with two years clean. I've listened to the Forgiveness and 12 Steps episodes, and they've helped me quite a bit with certain issues I've been struggling with. But there is one thing that's been difficult for me to move on from. This is the fact that deep down, I still feel like that horrible junkie who was willing to do whatever it took to get what he needed. This has started to impede on my social life, making it difficult to feel like a normal 20-something-year-old. I can't help but feel like damaged goods. Interacting with friends and even dating can cause a sense of guilt in me because I feel that I'm making them dirty just by being around them. Like these amazing people shouldn't have something like me in their life. Dating is especially hard because it often entails meeting new people who from that point on will have forever been with a heroin addict. Will I always be damaged goods? Ooh. Wow. Right? <clears throat> I feel you, bro. <laughs> 100%. Right. And who, I mean, look, we've all, first of all, you've never been damaged goods. I think we should probably start by saying that. You're, you've never been damaged goods. You never are damaged goods. Uh, you just had some feelings that were yucky. <laughs> well, I would say this. You are not damaged goods in the sense that, um, I mean, you're you're damaged in the sense that you went through addiction, right? And that is like a very harrowing experience. Two years—that's amazing. You should feel amazing about yourself, right? That's a huge accomplishment. I can't quit horrible things, and I hear <laughs> heroin is great. <laughs> 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 right great as in well, not feels, great but I mean, feels amazing like it sounds like it's a lot harder to quit than like cigarettes and froyo yeah of course <laughs> yeah it's, it's a lot it's um a lot. and also you know like a lot of people don't make it out of heroin we probably i don't know if you knew him but there was a guy in the comedy community very successful guy that was trying to kick heroin and he had all the reasons in the world to quit it yeah like everything and he uh he passed away earlier this year um and just the ability to quit is something that you should wear with a lot of confidence because that's that's really difficult. Um, but I do think I you know I'm I'm I've actually like been doing a lot more recovery. I don't know who's texting. Who the constantly. fuck? I mean, who the fuck alone? God damn you! But, you and your Jurassic needs. <laughs> I'm house sitting. Um, oh no! But. Uh, you know, I've been I I kind of went through some shit this year, like deeper into recovery, like mm-hmm. just like career shit fell apart and like just some hard times and I was bummed. And so I was like I'm going to do more recovery stuff. 
And uh, something I heard recently that I really liked was um, a guy shared at a meeting and he talked about how, you know, a lot of times you'll go to a meeting and they don't want to hear about your story, which is like, what happened to you? Mm, how did you get into drugs or like, what are the things that happened? And he said, I think that's bullshit. Mm. I think the story is like one of the most important things you have. You should own that story. Mm. And it's true. I mean, something that you learn in recovery, if you, if you're me, I guess, uh, is that uh, for me personally, I feel like I'm learning more and more that everybody has problems. And a lot of them are very embarrassing and a lot of them are very taboo. And a lot of those people don't have um, tools. (laughs) Sorry, those are my dogs wrestling. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have tools that, uh, a lot of people don't have tools that they can deal with those problems. Yeah. My mom is crazy. My mom walks around with shame and guilt constantly. Every time my mom makes like an amazing, like, my mom makes the best food in the world. Last week she spent like $200 on a piece of salmon. She like alder plank, smoked it and all that stuff and amazing organic coleslaws and things like that and we're all about to sit down to dinner and she goes you guys if the fish is dry just tell me (laughs) and everybody was like sitting there like about to lose their shit about how good it looked and it was delicious there's nothing my mom can my mom can't go and talk to anybody about that like just being a she can talk to a therapist but that's like everybody's walking around there's douchebags out there that don't even know they're (laughs) douchebags You know, and um, I get it. I get it. I did a lot of embarrassing stuff with my using. Um, I was arrested six times. Holy Jesus. I would go to, I went to a party. I'm going to shame you right now for that. Yeah, I went, I went to a party and I, in, high, in college and I told the cops they didn't have to arrest me because I wasn't black. <laughs> and I yelled it. Like I was like yelling at the cops in front of like the most, li- like it might as well have been like the future NPR hosts of America meeting. Oh no. A guy tried to fight me because of that. But like then I had to like walk around the world thinking everybody had seen that. And I'd done things like, you know, I'd pissed my pants at parties. I'd just all these things. And it's very embarrassing, and there's probably like a healthy amount of shame that you need to have. But that thing where you wear it like a tattoo, and you're like, this is me, and I'm that junkie, it's, you are that junkie, but you're that junkie that came out of that. You recovered from that, and you, like, you found sobriety, which is like such a difficult thing, because you didn't become a heroin addict because you were... Um, destined to be a heroin addict. You came a heroin addict because you had problems and you wanted to get the fuck away from those problems. Yes. And you found an outlet in... Yes. And know. it was just not not the right set of tools to deal with your problems. Yeah. Yeah. Those are issues set up maybe during child, most likely during your childhood, stuff that's unresolved. And you just, as an adult, that's what you turn to. And it's interesting you say that... I wrote it down even. I liked it. That you are not your story or the idea like how, to what extent do we identify with our stories? Because on the one hand, they do ident- they do sort of make up who you are. And then on the other hand, if I identify with my story, then I'm always reliving it. And it's just bumped into the garbage cans. So fun, this puppy. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Then you're constantly reliving it. And as uh, 
And I think what's interesting, he talks about having girlfriends and dating and friends. And I think, I think you're always going to have to own your story. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like there's always a narrative to one's life, but I think the, um, you don't lead with it when you're meeting new people. You don't lead with, uh, hi, I'm Christina Pajitsky. My mother's mentally ill and I fear that people will judge me because of it. Thank you. (laughs) Like maybe on the fourth or fifth date. Yeah. No, let people know there is a story. Maybe not the whole story. You know what I mean? Because I, I do think you want to, you, you want to lead with your into it. Yeah, you want to lead with your your positive qualities, not that your story. But it's it's so you should only tell your story to people that deserve to hear it. Number one, and are invested in you, right? I mean, I think it is character defining. And if you look at most of the interesting people in history, they aren't people that didn't dabble in some drug use. Yeah. Uh, And I don't think you think of them as drug addicts. I mean, it's drugs are very ubiquitous and uh, so is addiction. And if you think you're unique for being a drug addict, you're wrong. Um, Come to Hollywood. You will meet a (laughs) lot of drug addicts. Um, These two are tearing this room up. It's fine. Well, also, too, everyone's like uh, it's like a challenge. (laughs) I know to try talking about serious stuff when there's cute puppies. Uh, but also people, everyone's on uh, antidepressants or some kind of pill form. Everyone, I think we're so hardwired for addiction as human beings. Mm-hmm. I think the minute you're out of your mother's body, there's that hole inside of you of, well, oh, I have to comfort myself. I don't know how to, uh, you know, if it's food or cigarettes or drugs or alcohol. Or we're like these animals that don't have any connection to our survival. It's a weird, yeah. it's a weird reality. Like, you know, like that's so true. You like if you like live in the jungle and you're like a you know, Aboriginal group, you're like okay, I wake up, we, you know, do this thing, this thing, and then we go hunt, and then right. we put these things away for the season, and we'll go down to the river and get the water. But when you wake up in this world that we live in, it's like, <laughs> it's so what do I? I check my phone. Like, <laughs> that doesn't right. have anything to do right. with your life, like. Um, we're so distracted from just living our lives. Also, I was thinking this, if you are, it, it doesn't sound like you're having trouble dating because you're self-conscious of this dating thing. Um, you're probably a pretty good looking dude if you got into heroin. <laughs> you think so? Is that the prerequisite? A lot of hotties in the heroin. A lot of hotties, game. yeah. But why don't you also consider dating somebody in recovery? Because is that is that considered a no-no though? No. I, I, I mean, don't go to recovery to pick up girls, but like go to recovery, stay in recovery because recovery is kind of should be part of your life. Um, and then, you know, meet a lady who I know a lot of heroin addicts because of AA, which I do. And I'm not supposed to say that. I do. All right. I remember this uh, from last time you were um, here. But I don't. It, the group that shall not be named the it, Voldemort of. Self. Well, it says uh, for radio press and film and until sure. they change it to podcast twitter <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a loophole we and found stand it. up yeah um I'll, I'll just say it but uh yeah man I, I mean like people like i mean i meet people that had all sorts of drug problems i meet people that were sex addicts i don't give a shit i mean it's like i was an alcoholic that would black out and walk around and do horrible stuff and then i was like a pothead that was like half present for five years of my life and i mean that's embarrassing but it's also like whatever now i'm here and now you're you're living a life of 
reflection and you're very conscious and the story is part of your narrative, but it doesn't define you every day. And I think, uh, we did, I did isolation as a topic and this email kind of reminded me of that and, and shame, the topic of shame. Mm -hmm. And there's, have you heard of Brene Brown? No. Oh man. She's my favorite. She's on these Oprah Super Soul Sunday type shows. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, she's a research lady. She's a she's a, a, a teacher, and she researched shame. And um, it's great. There's great books she wrote. Daring greatly. It's about vulnerability. Uh, the gifts of imperfection. And I thought it was just me, Doctor Brene Brown. Uh, she gave, she gave this TED talk that went crazy viral, and that's how Oprah latched onto her and her whole thing. And um, she researched shame, which is probably the least favorable topic for human beings to talk about. She's like, nobody ever wanted to hear about what I was researching. <laughs> if I was on an airplane and someone asked me what I did, uh, I said researching shame, and they immediately stopped talking to me. Because it's like the weirdest, most ubiquitous feeling we have as human beings. Like, if you were to even define shame, you would be like... Uh, it's just this icky, yucky... You'd feel bad about it. Right. Like, you don't even... <laughs> right. Are there words to even describe... I mean... Shame. I think it's a... Yeah, I mean, it's like tarnishment. I don't know. Tarnishment's like, great. Yeah. Like... Uh, the tarnish can be removed, yes. Which is... It's, so can shame. Yeah, I mean... I think shame... It's probably healthy to some extent. It's just that it's also like one of those things like depression and probably isolation and things like that where you're like you you start to like get into it like a bathtub and you're mm. like, oh, I'm just loving this shame. <laughs> I am a piece of shit. Um, it's so easy to do that. I do that all the time. I mean, so do I, I was yeah. telling Christina as I walked in here that I like went home last week and I was like, I'm such a loser and <laughs> I should just move into my mom's basement and just sure. tuck in for the rest of my life. <laughs> Right, but what gets you out of that thought? Is there a counter reality? Yeah, being present, meditating, helping somebody. I mean, um, a big part of a, a huge part of recovery is once you kind of get to a good place is is helping somebody because a lot of what addiction is is you're so stuck up your own butt that you yeah. like want to get yeah. the fuck away from it. Yeah. So um, you know, like go out and help somebody. Like I've started. Um, volunteering at like a food uh, place like a um a food place whole foods i've started volunteering <laughs> there and just trying to help the beast sure. um no i uh like a food like a soup kitchen that's in West great Hollywood. and i meet these people that are like homeless and they're dealing with all sorts of stuff like addiction and mental health issues and then there's like these people that are like i was like thinking about this recently there's all these people that are trans down there and they're like trans on the street which is like i mean I'm happy about what Bruce Jenner did, but like you, like that's to me, that's like a lot more bolder being that's, like a homeless person that like identifies that continues to live that reality and probably gets beat up and brutalized for it a lot. Yeah, and can't like go to a mansion to like deal with their <laughs> or get photoshopped on a yeah. cover. I know, but uh, when I'm doing that stuff, I don't once go, oh god, my manager hasn't called me or like. <laughs> Uh, joke sucks or right. does that girl on tinder really like me or does she want dinner you know right, like right and it's good it's healthy all these things too i think are like like i feel lucky and or fortunate now to be in a place where um 
I get these tools, you know, like I would have never found these had I not gone through the things I did. And I feel so, even though I don't feel good, like a hundred percent of the time, I feel great. Like overall, great. Overall, yeah. Because I love overalls. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Mm, That's that's why I'm wearing these sweatpants overalls. (laughs) Uh, No, um, I just feel good because it's like I'm here. I'm like present and I can like have a bad day. And at the end of the day, I can go, okay, why was that a bad day? All right, what am I going to do differently tomorrow? And then like also just I can experience things to such a fuller. Yeah, but it is easy to get caught in your own tape recording. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Oh, here's what, let's start with Brene Brown's definition of shame, which I thought it was really interesting. She says, shame is the intensely painful, I can't even read my own writing. Shame is the intensely painful experience a feeling of believing we are all what we're flawed and are unworthy of acceptance or belonging. So it's the it's the belief in something. So for instance, let's say you get embarrassed by something. Um she brings up this great example of a kid who the te- you remember like when the teachers would hand out your test results mm-hmm. and they would comment like A plus Timmy, yeah. F for you, Andy and <laughs> Um, and what happens with people is that they can take that as a moment of embarrassment, which kind of slides off your back a bit more. Like you might come home to your mother and be like, oh my God, mom, the teacher, you know, publicly told everybody I got an F. And then you and your mom would be like, what a bitch. And you'd high five. The opposite of that is to internalize the person's embarrassment of you and go, oh, gosh, maybe they're right. Maybe I am dumb. Maybe I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm always going to be bad at this. And when we internalize it, the bad feeling, it becomes shame. So it's actually the, the belief in the kind of irrational thought. Yeah. And it's a lot harder to share shame with people. Once it's, once it's in there as shame, like for instance, your child will be less likely to, likely to come home after that happens to them at school and tell you about it. Yeah. Because now it's internalized. Which is, ugh. And that makes so much sense, right? Yeah. I, this, like... Uh with my therapist, we talked about this. Like you have that internal. I love it. Let's talk about therapy. Yeah, it's my internal favorite. Internal <laughs> or external locus of uh, <laughs> what is it called? Locus of uh, it's like it's basically there's two types of people. There's people that internalize and externalize. Neurotic versus it's if you think everything's your fault, you're a neurotic. If you think everyone else's, it's their fault, you're psychotic. Yeah, you're like uh, it's a personality disorder. Narcissistic. Something like that. Shit. It's fine. Yes, there's Somebody, neurotics versus Google personality it. disorder. Yes, Google it, people. Yes, yes. Um, yes. But no, I uh, like, like, I notice that. Like, I when I have had bad news in the past, I go, "What? The, why am I such a piece of shit?" Yeah. And then I know people in the world who this these people are so much better for show business. Are the, the, ne- pe- the external ones? The ones that go. Externalize it, those yeah. people are fucking crazy. Yeah. I'm the best. Yeah. Those people they do so well so just well like you are nuts and like then they're so good at it that a lot of times like people who don't like them at first will be like 
maybe they're right. Maybe I should give that person a TV show. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, uh, someone asked me, who are the biggest asshole comedians? I go, it's not so many assholes as there are sociopaths. Mm-hmm. People who are completely unself-aware and think that their shit doesn't stink, even though it stinks terribly. Yeah, there's like, a, and, and, you know, I love this, like, you, what I've kind of like learned about just like navigating personalities in Hollywood, and I'm still really not that great at it, but one thing is, is like, we love as sensitive kind of like sensitive and like thoughtful and like you know shameful people to be like man that guy's such a douchebag yeah and it's like well he might be a douchebag but he's also like pretty happy Mm -hmm. and like he's like he's rocking and rolling like and it's just like it's such a it doesn't matter in that sense of like placing like um you know like there's these sociopaths they're just as sick as you are they're conflicted in similar ways. Don't you ever eat this cord, puppy. <laughs> um, but like, you know, I, I, I just, I don't, I try not to well, judge any of those They're people miserable anymore. too. And that's the thing once you get to know those, uh, the people that externalize all the problems versus neurotics like us. I think you and I are neurotics where we internalize our, it's all my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm to blame. I'm horrible. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, they are miserable to some extent because who the hell wants to be friends with people like that? I mean, I literally... Oh, they're so lonely. I, I literally w- came to LA going like, I need to, I should stop doing cam- comedy. And I should, <laughs> like, I came back from this week in Seattle. I was with my mom who's like, all these triggers. I was with my sister, all these sure. triggers. My father, triggers, friends, triggers. <sighs> Had a horrible weekend at a club <laughs> where uh, where a booker like basically just like paid me half of what he was supposed to pay me. Oh, that's fun. And so like, I'm just like, I'm worthless. I'm a garbage person. I should go, I should literally climb back into my mother's womb Mm -hmm. and give up. Versus fuck that guy. I'm never doing this club again. I'm going to go yell at my agent. I'm going to go get, get better agents. So this shit never happens to me and blow up the building and fuck that particular guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, but I got back to LA and I went and met with my manager and when I'm talking to her, I'm like, you know, like trying not to say all this stuff. I realized that none of what I've been saying is true. Like literally I've been in a fantasy world. She's like, so-and-so really liked you last week. And this person (laughs) read your script and they think it's great. And, Oh, by the way, you need to put a tape together for this thing. And it's like, oh, what? Like, I'm nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's a story you've concocted. I do the same. Believe me. I think that's a very normal thing to do is you see the world as it's programmed in here. Mm -hmm. And the reality doesn't always match what's going on in here. I do that with my shrink, too. She'll be like, now walk me through that argument you had. (laughs) So-and-so. Wait, why do you think everything's over? Why? You know? Oh, yeah, you're right. That has nothing to do. Because I catastrophize, I can I can make things the end of the world very quickly from one one argument, one bad thing, and I'm homeless. I'm on the streets. I have no career. Mm-hmm. I'm penniless. Everything's over. I'm dying of cancer. Good night. Yeah, it. You know, and I, I. This is like another thing that I've learned a lot about in the last year. Like two things. I heard this in a meeting the other day. One, there's no big deals. Ooh. There are no big deals. I love it. Like. No matter what, there are no big deals. So use that as your mantra if you can. Because I thought that was like, because honestly, like, you'll know when it's a big deal. Yeah. Like, stay with that energy of there are no big deals. And when it is a big deal, <laughs> it'll be very obvious to you. Yeah. But until then, there are no big deals. Yes. And then uh, the main thing I was going to just say is like, um, when I was with my manager or with my therapist, 
They're the same person. Same thing. <laughs> uh, and you need one to deal with the other. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But um, my therapist, when I was complaining and telling him how shitty I was and how <laughs> bad of a you know person, and you know I deserve to be flogged yes. in the grove. Of course, you're a horrible man. Um, he goes, Andy, stop not having like stop making all your problems so great. Right. Like, calm the fuck down and be a regular person because it's rude to everybody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you sit right. there and it's like, you're so selfish that you're like, I am such shit and the world is conspiring against me and I'm just, I'm so awful. And then what the reality is, is that your problems aren't that big. Everybody's got problems and we're all dealing with them kind of at the same time your problems aren't better than other people's problems Mm -mm. they're probably actually better in the sense like you can deal with them a lot better like literally as a comedian our biggest problem is that we don't want to have to be like regular people (laughs) you know right right like my anything to escape that my big shame is that i might have to get a job (laughs) right which is like the whole world is like go fuck yourself yes yes i have to work and it's like I know I only want to work at nights and like in writers' rooms and I want to act. What if I had to do what everybody else has to do? And you know that's that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Kill him. Get him. Yeah. Um, what was I thinking? Oh, so going back to Brene's book, uh, actually to my life. Let's go there first. Uh, I had this great. Like conversation with Ari Shafir, I don't forget how long ago it was, and uh, oh no, I think I had done his podcast like a couple of years ago, three years ago, and it was the first time I had talked about uh, hating my mom and uh, being suicidal as a teenager, and I was so very scared when he put that podcast up because I had what Brene Brown calls a vulnerability hangover where you're like, huh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have shared. Why did I, they're all going to judge me. Everyone's going to think I'm crazy. This is not going to be good. And, um, and Ari turned to me and he goes, so what? Just that, just so what? So what if people know? And I thought about it and I go, you're right. It's not, especially, and I'm not saying if you're like a, university professor or your professional person obviously things getting out about your private life could be detrimental to your ability to work in my field not so much in my field it's the opposite and um that really struck me because i was like so what if people know my my dirty dark secret that i have a crazy mom because i think but my irrational shame about it for so many years is that because my mom's crazy, people are going to assume I'm crazy and it's going to trickle down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think to some extent people do judge you based on shit. Like they don't know me, so they might go, yeah, well, I'm look at her mom. <laughs> Gee, you know, what a crazy lady. Uh, but it took years for me to get over uh, the shame of having of having that. And it, trick- it goes into all these other facets of your life when you have shame in one major area it's like it it's like it eats erodes at everything else like your your self-esteem your confidence you're like you have no self-love when you have a foundation of shame yeah i mean totally like uh and also like how fucked up is that per like you don't because we internalize if somebody was like christina's crazy because like look her <laughs> right. mom's crazy the right thing to say is like, 
why would you say that? Like, that's such a, like, don't judge me or don't like, like, that's obviously that person's issue. Yeah. But because we internalize, we're like, well, maybe they're right. Right. That is, that's exactly right. I should be like, fuck that person. Yeah. And it's hard because you're like, I want you to like me because I just want everybody to like me. Of course. But there's too many people. And also, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the blessing, isn't it? That there's so many people. Yeah. I th- thank God there's not like six people. <laughs> <laughs> then shame would be a very real and important yeah. thing. But the magnanimous nature of human life being that there are seven billion people on Earth, like, I guarantee if you are listening to a podcast right now, you don't have even, you're not even in the 5%. <laughs> Like, there's a guy out there who's, like, been a prostitute and a drug addict, and he, like, had to eat his mom to get out of a room. And, like, you know, just, like... Horrible things. I bet he's not walking around going, like, oh, man, how am I going to... He probably just has to be, like, who do I have to kill in this village to get food today? (laughs) And I know that sounds, like, egregious, but, um, you know, it's just... That is nice. And, like, I I, I don't know. I, I really haven't felt shame for a while. Because I have it's been huge, though. I, I I feel shame, but I don't feel that like shame hangover. Because my vulnerability is one of my strongest points. That's why I wanted you because you're so uh, out out and so and some like there's a gay. handful of things. You're <laughs> super gay and you're transgender. Um, there's a handful of items I carry uh, shame on still, but mm-hmm. I am so they're so deeply shameful i won't even share with my therapist because i i even right now i'm getting a little afraid even to just saying that general broad i totally i have those you're like oh i I can never i have those things but here's the secret is that when you divulge when you share the shame that's what Brene brown's book talks about when you share it with somebody once you name the shame it dissolves it dissipates because shame can exist when you shed light on it, like it's the secrecy that actually feeds the shame. It's the, the secrecy of it, yeah, the festering of it. Because when when you witness it to somebody else, they go, "Oh, I get that, I get that," and they have empathy for your shame, and then it it goes away. Yeah, I yeah I I think uh, I think it, like when you hold them inside like that, it gives them power, right? Yeah, because you're telling yourself your own crazy story, like what we were just talking about mm-hmm. earlier. You know, I'm a horrible person because I did this. It means this about me. You're going, oh, and that's wonderful. I wanted to share this little ditty here. Uh, the difference between embarrassment and shame or guilt and shame, because a lot of people think those are the same things. They're not. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is the internalization of that. And it says I am bad. And that's yeah. why shame is so dangerous because it's I, the core of me is dog shit. Not that I did something wrong, I fucked up, but I am dog shit. I am bad. And I, I mean, I've had that happen in show business where like if I didn't get something, I'm, I'm the worst person. I would yeah. just go down the rabbit hole of I'm, I'm a terrible human being. I have no yeah, right yeah, to yeah. live on this planet. I mean, <clears throat> I think it can be a bad set. You know? Yeah, that used to drive me. Um, now it doesn't. Now I, I could give fucks. But, but yes, a few years ago, for sure. Like we had Flogging that, uh, myself. we had that, um, that show that we both did in San Francisco. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, there was like some weird circumstances around it. I think it was like, um, there was something like, I, I think it was like Chinese New Year's or something. Like, <laughs> was it? There was like some kind of circumstances where it was like not super ideal. It was like full rooms. Um, we both had good sets, 
but like on Friday or like whatever the first one was, like I got to go first, and I for some reason like because of that I I did better than I did the other day. Um, well, not better than you, but I did better than I did on. How oh, dare you say that? Yeah, no, but you know what I mean. Like yes. on Friday, I did really good for myself, and then on Saturday, I didn't have a very good set. And on Friday, I could have like moonwalked over the <laughs> bay. You know what I mean? Sure. And right. And then on Saturday, right. same circumstances, I didn't have a fun set, and I was like, I shouldn't do comedy. Like right. And I've we've all been there where it's something bad happens, and now it's the end of the world. Fuck this! I'm out. I'm gonna burn this building down. And it was like same yeah. jokes. Sure. Sure. Same size room. Sure. Same order. Like everything was the same, but like. For some reason, I didn't accept that, like, oh, you know, sometimes you just don't do well. Sometimes, like, one thing that is, this is, like, something that I want to, like, this, if this is, like, one thing I can spread across the world for people who like stand-up comedy, is that stop just going to comedy. <laughs> Please stop not knowing who <laughs> you're going to see. Oh, that's my pet, my biggest pet peeve is just... I mean, would you go to a movie theater and just be like, what's playing? I don't care. Whatever. Or music. Like, would you ever just be like, we're going to go see music. (laughs) And then like you, if you say music, you could get the Philharmonic Symphony or you could get like garage rock trash metal from Mexico City. Sure. And you can't be like, well, I wanted this. Well, then don't just go see like a a title of an art form. Kills me. (laughs) And that's the other thing too. Like we're not hiding from the internet. There's a thing called Google, yeah. and if you're going to see Andy Haynes tonight, maybe Google the guy. Watch a few clips. See if that's something you'd be into before I, you show up. I want to make everybody laugh, but like God. that's something I'm trying to be better about because I do take a bad set personally that I start to go like, I may not just be for everybody. There's some people that are way more universal. Like Jim Gaffigan can talk about things that like almost everybody in america can relate to Mm -hmm. i talk about being like a divorced (laughs) drug addict sad man and some people really relate to it but like mon pollock smith who came down like to like indianapolis for the weekend and they're like gonna see a comedy show they're like what has happened to our youth i know but (laughs) I, i went through the same dilemma and um eventually what happens is you can't you can't entertain Ma and Pa Smith. They're not for you and you're yeah. not for them. And eventually you go, the, trying to entertain Ma and Pa Smith is killing me. Yeah. I got to entertain the five people in this room that are down and the other ones, go find someone that you like because I can't do it. For for your soul, mm-hmm. it's going to erode your sense of, of self. Well, I think that's like Jesus. when you see somebody who you love or not even somebody you love, but when you see somebody who's been doing a long time and they're like, they've fallen into what we... I think it's an unfair term, but it's a a hacky act. Yeah. That's when you're trying to make everybody laugh. Yeah. And those people should be full of shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but that different different strokes for or as Matt Bronger says, same strokes for different folks. Everybody's the same. <laughs> <laughs> um along with the topic of shame though, society I find now really advocates shaming. I found that with the advent of the internet and commenting on videos, which is my pet peeve, I can't imagine why anybody in their right sane mind would write something hateful to a complete stranger on the internet. I've never done it, and I can't, I don't understand it. Um, I think that we're living in a time that loves to dogpile on people who uh, say and do the quote wrong thing. I remember when, remember that Paula Dean 
like scandal. Like she drops N words in her private life. Correct. That was the problem with Paula Dean. That was like one half of it. It was like she drops N words in in her private life, and she also had a slavery themed wedding. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was the big. That was like the big straw. A wedding. It was like a wedding, or and it was some kind of so crazy. It was like the theme, and like I think that in her estate or wherever she, I, I don't know the exact <laughs> details, but I think it was like where her estate was. She has black help, sure. you know, and she was like advocating for them to kind of dress up like mammies and pappies and sure. serve this wedding or whatever. And I think that's how it kind of was like, okay, Paula, step back. No. No, but here's the other part to that. Do you do you like her dumb show where she makes griddle sandwiches? Do you like her as a brand? It's your choice as a consumer to go, you know what, now that I know this about you, I'm disgusted, I'm not going to do it. But to demand an apology, I, like, I, listen, I don't advocate dropping N-bombs. I don't advocate slavery. Let's get this very clear. I don't advocate <laughs> uh, slavery-themed anything. I'm, I'm very much opposed to mm-hmm. that. So let's get that out of the way. But if somebody chooses in their private life to be super crazy like that, like, why does she have to issue a public statement unless she, does she say something on, even if she did say something on air, why is it her responsibility to issue any I, kind yeah, of Yeah, I don't understand all of Who that cares? stuff. Who cares? Then stop buying her stuff. You don't like her? Don't yeah. buy her crap. I think, I think the outrage, maybe, like, what the was outrage. good. outrage. Oh, what was good about it was maybe she shouldn't have a TV show anymore. But I don't know. Maybe, but, but, but people maybe just don't watch the TV show. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I, I get. Know. Like I don't. I don't want racist people being like rewarded for ra- like. I do think there should be like. But that's like the punishment, and I don't know the effectiveness of like. I, I don't know if everybody would stop watching her show if it would go away. But do you think that it changed Paula Dean? dropping n-word do you think it changed her racism to publicly shame her i think that's the real question i'm getting at is that what good does well, that really do for her yeah that's the thing is, is like i i do think that what the ultimate thing you need what we should be striving for us as a society is like when we when we like have um these kind of things it's like well what's wrong with this person that would make them do right. such a horrible thing right right instead of being like what a what a bitch Fuck a bitch she apologized bitch go eat some butter biscuits and <laughs> die or whatever right. but um right. but like you know it's like with what i've noticed lately is like they're you know i think it's because of who i follow on the internet and who i kind of surround myself with is like i did see some like good stuff around that bruce jenner thing right. or caitlin now you know yeah, caitlin but like like I saw some people that were like really like kind and it was like and then like some people said some shitty things about her and people were like, Hey, look at this shithead. <laughs> and then that was like that was I liked that. I like I like it when people call the president the N word on Twitter and they think they can get away with it and then somebody's like, Hey, uh this is this person. They're a racist. Now the ultimate thing is is like we have to figure out ways to do it so that those people don't go, you know, f- this world is against me and I was fucking right because that's no help. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, um, it's a little bit of a like tricky balancing act. I don't like shaming. The main thing I don't like shaming for is I don't like shaming for the purposes of making somebody feel bad about something that like, they're just trying to be like expressive. Like I'm sensitive when I see my Conan clip 
online and then like oh, I look at the so comments. Don't look so, at the comments ever on I didn't, I didn't after this, but the first time I looked look. at it and it was like meh. All they wrote was meh. And I was just like. Crushing. Ugh, come on, man. Devastating. I work really hard. Yeah. And then I want to be like, I bet you don't do anything interesting. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, you're not even in the arena. That's funny you mentioned that. Brene brings that up. She talks about, because um, when she had her TED talk, she wasn't expecting it to go viral. And mm-hmm. she's like this normal Texas mom. She's a little chunky. You know, mm-hmm. she's like a normal human being. And she said that people were just slamming her appearance, like, oh, Brene Brown's so fat and this and that. And she's like, well, wait a minute. First of all, if you're not in the arena, you don't get to comment on me. You're not even in the game of life that I am playing right now. Yeah. And so also, you don't get to. It's just like, I think, you know, I I have a lot of like body dysmorphia. Like, Ooh, let's talk about that. Okay. Because I think that's another area of this is body shaming. And I think, especially for women, it's interesting that you bring that up as a man. Um, because women, we're taught that we're fat pigs from the minute we are born. We're old, ugly. We need skin cream. I need this. I need that. Mm-hmm. And also, there's no pictures of boobs that aren't gargantuan and pert. You know, yeah. like, what if my boobs don't look like that? Am I supposed to have they a nipple that looks don't. like this? They probably don't. Like, most boobs don't look like the boobs we see on TV and, like, um, or, like, you know, in porn or whatever. Like, no. wherever these things are, like, pushed around, you know, like, wherever these, like, the ideas are disseminated. Um, all I know is that, like, you know, dudes can be schlubby and we do have that benefit but i grew up in a world where i wanted to be sexually appealing because i was like fit you know and i also grew up in a room in a, in a house full of women who hated their bodies oh. and so i was self-conscious that i was chubby until about age 16 and then i dealt with weight on and off i had eating disorders in my late teens and early 20s um but like so, when you say you're, you have body dis, you have body dysmorphia, is that like, what does that mean? Just it so means that understand. I can look in the mirror and say that I'm disgusting, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I can think that I'm fat because I have a little like. Sometimes I just like to eat a half a jar of almond butter. Like I love it. <laughs> I love almond Re- the butter. The almond butter is your thing, huh? There's a brand called Justin's. It's like fifteen dollars a thing, and they like they swirl in like maple mm. syrup or something. I don't mm. know what they do, but it is so good. And I like to do that. And that's probably like that's probably like not super. Maybe it is healthy. I don't know. But in my head, I'm like. That was it. That was like gluttonous and like. And then you flog yourself for what you've done. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, look how disgusting you are. And then I like, I don't have pecs like this thing. I'm going to take my shirt off at a pool party and people are going to like start throwing rocks at me. And <laughs> it's just all this like silly stuff. And then you go to a pool par- full, party full of comics and like nobody <laughs> should have their shirt off. Um, that's like. Nobody cares. That's exactly. Ex- yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. That's like, what I should be saying because like. It's what are we doing? Are we fitness models or are we comics? Are we right. moms or are we, you know, it's like right. all these things. Like this woman, what's her name? I can't, is it Brene? Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Brene? Brene. B R E N E E. Brene Brown is a Texas mom. She mm-hmm. probably got a couple kids. Yes. Sounds like she has a pretty good job. Like yeah. good in the sense that keeps her busy. Like why should she be 
like a like why should she look like a like a power or a crossfit instructor <laughs> it's not her it's not her gig and people when they say that stuff to me about my appearance <clears throat> i'm like look i never started this to be a model i didn't get into comedy to be yeah. a supermodel if i want to be a model i would have been a model i'm a comedian so guess what i'm gonna have bags under my eyes and wrinkles on my face because i'm a fucking character i'm not I'm not even trying for that standard. Yeah, and I, you know, like I'm, uh, I'm starting to go bald, like, <laughs> and I like. It looks good though. I could not. Thank tell. you. I'm it looks pushing fantastic. it around in the most interesting ways. Um, I'm you pushing know, it around. And I'm in LA, and you know, people are like, get implants. They're so good now. Oh no, you don't. You do not need implants, please. And I'm not gonna. Yeah, but that's so. the thing. It's like I thought about it, and it's like. How about I just let my body do its thing? How about I just like I'll put some creams up there to keep the hair going? That like I don't even put the I put like turmeric cream. I'm not talking about like Propecia or anything like that. Yeah, but I don't want to deal with that stuff. Just let yourself fucking get just old. Be fat. I agree. Let yourself be fat. Like just be healthy. <laughs> and if healthy to you, I don't know. Let yourself be fat. But let but, yourself you know, be a little. Listen, especially as women, the older we get, you carry a few chunkers on you. That's, it's that's really hard. If you I have a baby or two. Forget it. It's very normal. If you have a fucking baby, oh, she, <laughs> your puppy's going to die now. Killing the puppy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it sound like they're killing each other? It's the best. Yeah, it's so great. They're just playing. Um, but, you know, like, just like, I, it's so gross. And what I like now is that there's kind of like a more sensitive approach to things. Like, everybody got so mad at Lena Dunham for taking her shirt off and being naked in every episode. Yeah, I loved it. But, and I'm not the biggest Lena Dunham fan, but I do think, like, go you, like, if you want to be naked on your TV show, first of all, fuck them. It's your fucking TV yeah, show. Yeah, for sure. And you're like 25. Like, none of them could do that. No, and dudes have been doing it for comedic effect for years, uh, displaying their fat bodies. Chris Farley was doing the Chippendales uh, yeah. shtick. I, I, and nobody was like, you piece of shit. Right. It was funny. And Go I don't, back into your cave. That's right. And I, I, I agree, yeah. I think um, I did this video for this TBS show um, a year ago called regular body where I showed off my, I had, I have, I've always had fat on my stomach since mm-hmm. I was very little. That's where it goes. <laughs> I got a belly. I'm always going to have it. It would take an extreme amount of diet and exercise for me to not, I'm just genetically programmed to have a tire. It's probably like fine. It is fine. Like, it's you know fine. what I mean? Like, like somebody would be like, Oh, you're, you know, you're 20 pounds overweight. And you'd be like, <laughs> Maybe that's just how my DNA works. Because if you go to like, where are you from, Hungary? Yeah. I bet if you go to Hungary and you get outside of Budapest. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of like svelte, like, Mm. are you in your late 30s? Yeah. They're all, they're all skinny. Well, no, but the, the, the The poor people are skinny. The village women are fat. But the village women are like rocking, like they're like, they got like six babies under their arms and they're like fetching water and cooking like goulash and and making babies, birthing them in the fields. And (laughs) is that how you're going (laughs) to? (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to birth my future. When you have a kid someday, you're going to... Just uh, on stage, though. I'm always That's on stage. Everything's for the show. <laughs> um, but the point being, I did regular body, and I just flaunted my belly, and I got so much support from women uh, and everybody. Like, yes, finally. Because there's just... It, and what's interesting about this era is that um, fitting in is so important now. And uh, there used to be in the 90s, growing up, when we were growing up, anti people like there was Janine Garofalo there mm-hmm. was um 
you know, fucking whatever, Kim Deal or these 90s subculture women to look yeah. up to who, or Courtney Love even, who was like the anti-Barbie Barbie. Yeah. Um, and now I don't, I don't know who those people, who the counterculture people are, but it seems like the pretty people used to be a joke and now the pretty people are the norm. <laughs> like there used to be this self-reflective thing going on where you're like, you knew the pretty people, that was their job to just be pretty. Now people are really trying to be the Kardashians. Like when Kendall Jenner came out with her lips, I don't know if you saw this ridiculous thing where teenagers were like sucking on bottles yes, yes, to that. make their lips the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, whoa, 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 guys, you know that that's crazy, right? You know that Kendall Jenner's job is just to be hot. Like that's not your job to do that too. Yeah, I don't, like, how, who's, like, who's making art? I don't understand. (laughs) Right, right, right. It is is weird because, like, you have things like that where, like, like, that is such a weird, interesting family now because, like, you do have, like, these really vapid, body-conscious women. But then you also have some big women, and then you also have some aging people. And then you have an interracial relationship. And then you have, like, a transgender dad. It's like, Which, by the way, he made that family so interesting. It's about time. Yeah. And they but used then, their fame for something. But, decent. like, you know, like, it's weird because, like, I want to shit on them. But then there's, like, this, like, strong argument back against them that's, like, you know, like, oh, wait, they did. They, they do have some interesting caveats. But it is sad to me today that, like people can't be gross people can't be like and i don't mean gross in the sense like like just you know like do you poop and shit and eat too much and like do these things like just once in a while like let's like be okay with that so everybody isn't walking around with this bullshit and like i see people out there who are like beautiful and like just like everything's perfect and they put so much fucking work into it so much effort it takes a lot of work to keep up to that level. And of most of them aren't doing anything else valuable. No, because no, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's like I, I know the occasional person who's like really attractive and also very talented, but it's not. It, it it's not that much. And also, like we have such a monster in Hollywood with like these people who are like you know like Chris Pratt looks great right now. Like Chris Pratt, he looks awesome. But he doesn't look like that all the time. Right. He looks like that when he has to, like, do things. For movies. And he probably, mm-hmm. like, because he's getting popular for that, he's, like, keeping it sorry. high and tight, as your tour was called. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not, like, that's not, like, the, I, I know everybody knows this, but it's just, like, such a silly standard that we try to keep ourselves up to. And guys do it, too, now. Like, there's not this, like... If you watch TV after midnight, it's all like, do you have what it takes to (laughs) break into a car with your head? Yeah. And it's like, you know, like, no, I don't. Because I'm like trying to write some shit. Like, why why would I need a six pack to be a writer? I know. It's so much work. I do have a six pack, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I have. I know somebody who's perfect. Who's perfect. Like, this girl popped out a kid and was still the same weight. You know, perfect hair, perfect Botox face, and you're mm-hmm. like, that's exhausting, though. And that's all that's happening for this girl. And then the girl. second she, if she doesn't do it for a yeah. day, people are going to be like, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's, yeah, it's a full-time gig. And there's so many other things to do in the world than be perfect. 
It's exhausting being perfect. I can't imagine. I was like wondering about this last night about like, like back in the day, like people could just be ugly, but they also could do amazing things. Like I bet like Mozart. (laughs) Just be ugly. Like look at Picasso. Picasso was never a good looking dude and he smoked and he was chunky. I don't think he ever, ever once thought about it. No. He maybe thought about his health like. Maybe smoke too much or something. Like yeah, that. or you know what I always think is um, musicians like a Janis Joplin could never exist today. No. It fucking would never happen. She would have to sing God. about it. Yeah, <laughs> she would have to be like, "I'm defying culture and like yeah. a societal, yeah. it, but you know, way more musically talented." Or, than or even like a Steve Buscemi who has an amazing face, yeah. a crazy looking amazing face. Yeah, I don't know of any actors today. Or Willem Dafoe, who's creepy looking as shit. Those that's from another time in American society where we tolerated people that had janky teeth. And we liked and, it. And we liked the difference. Vive la difference. Right? As the French say. But now it's like everyone same, 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 same. Everyone has to be perfect in the pink. It's ex- yeah. it's exhausting. It's boring. It's fucking boring. Yeah, I'm I, God. I, Even I, comedians. If you look at the female comics. It's everything's very, it's everything has to be cookie cutter. You wouldn't see a Roseanne Barr uh, really be a huge star today because everything has to be hot. You got to be hot and sexy. Yeah, I was talking to somebody about Amy Schumer and like, I really like what Amy Schumer's doing. I think she's being very positive and um, she's like helping with a lot of things. Like she's bringing up a lot of things. Yes. Um, I, I still don't think it's like we're not over the hill yet. No, because Amy Schumer is still like a pretty attractive. It's still within the patriarchal, in my opinion. Yes, I'm glad for her success. I'm glad the dialogue, but it's still within patriarchal confines of accepted femininity. It's yeah. still, you know, blo- let's talk about sucking dicks and let's still be uh, down. Show, you know what I would love. Just a fat, angry lesbian comment. <laughs> but seriously, some yeah. girl who's just butch as fuck and covered in tats, and that girl is she should be my sister-in-law. Oh, she's not a stand-up. She's not she, a stand-up. Oh, I would love it. Like she's a big tatted. Uh, oh, I love dyke, it. I love you know, it. Butch Dyke. And oh yeah, put that girl. Give her a TV show. I like that character Boo from Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, like, yeah. I love her character. Like yeah. make that girl a star. But it's not. It's just not. In the zeitgeist, it's not. It's just not happening. It, it, but it's happening in the sense like it's getting better. But it's it's not getting like, better. It's nowhere near. My, you know. I mean, we're all gonna die out. before it can yes. get get to it. But there's no water left on Earth. Um, but you know, like we're we're we were on the right track. Yeah. The aliens will say that. Oh, oh, hey, look, they were on the right track. But you know what's gonna come next is the big transgender comic. I bet you that's gonna be the next because Caitlin. Is there a transgender comic right now that like needs to be discovered? I know some transgender comics. I don't know if they need to be discovered, hmm. like in the sense of like. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's one out there. I just don't know that. I know, one. me neither. But I know that get a show. you know, like uh, people still want to see pretty people for some reason. Yeah. Roseanne Barr was like an amazing. Roseanne Barr was like oh, she just like did she she wasn't even like nice her voice was horrible, horrible. and her yes. like she wasn't pleasant no and all these things but it was like she's great and she's fantastic and beloved even look at rodney dangerfield that guy was old ugly wrinkled you know what i heard disgusting. about him disgusting he didn't get any respect 
<laughs> oh, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. Yeah. Thanks for deep. coming, Andy. Andy. Thank I really you. appreciate it. No, you have to you have to go to your Jurassic World movie. Yeah, and let's can I want to say this to that guy like um, please because I got so distracted. But um I know I don't know your name and I probably don't know you, but uh you are amazing. You are doing something so amazing. You're dealing with your shit. You took like even the fact that you wrote Christina like think about how much you did like cuz there's people out there that feel so much shame they can't even write Christina and the, like this is a hard life but shame t- shouldn't have room in it cuz it's just hard enough to exist in it so know that you are amazing and that uh you should own your story and if somebody can't deal with you because you had a bad history like fuck them cuz somebody out there yeah. can go fuck themselves and you're lovable and and you're worthy of love yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Fuck them. You're totally worth it. Suck my left one, everybody. You know, like. <laughs> left labia. You suck it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Andy. Where can people find you? It's at I'm like the conjunction. At a, I'm, I can't even say it. At uh, I'm Andy Haynes. I hate it. I need to change it. <laughs> I'm Andy Haynes. H A Y N E S. Yes. On Twitter. Please find me there. Instagram. I'm a Vine celebrity. Ooh, no, oh, you are. <laughs> no, I don't do that. That's a whole. That's a whole thing to yeah. be a Vine celebrity. It's a very specific lane. Thank you. All right, let's do our outro music. Thanks, Andy. Have Bye. fun at your movie. Thank you. Bye. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with. Philosophize with. Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans, this ain't your mom's house, it's a different theme, gotta be critically thinking, like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in, John Locke, or was it Socrates, Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates, got us talking all properly, topically, just a comedian discussing these philosophies, serious questions, silly people, what's that, what's that, that's deep bro, it is the ultimate metaphor for life and you know what that is what that's deep bro that's deep bro that's deep bro